The History of Literature podcast is a member of the Podglomerate Network and Lit Hub Radio. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, I'm Jack Wilson, and this is the History of Literature. Hello, this is episode 1A, The Discovery of Gilgamesh. It's a bonus episode. Thanks to everyone who downloaded our first episode of the History of Literature. Not counting episode zero. First episode, we enjoyed our time with Gilgamesh, the ancient warrior king. It's kind of a tough episode to get through since we had so much ground to cover. It was the first piece of literature in our history that dragged in a lot of prehistory for us to deal with. Although, most of it I left out. (laughs) Surprise. Strategic editing. You don't get that on most histories. They cover historical facts and intact historical narratives. Not me. That's not how I do it. You see, my theory, the whole impetus behind this podcast is my theory that literature is dying. I'm trying to prove myself wrong. I want to know that literature is alive. I can't assume that it is. If I dwell on the boring or the mundane, well, that sort of assumes the premise, doesn't it? It assumes that literature is important. That's not something I'm assuming. Thank you to the many people who pointed out my error, my apparent error, when I talked about how Gilgamesh lost his immortality plant You may recall he dove to the bottom of the ocean. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert that he found the plant of immortality. And spoiler alert that he lost it. (laughs) In case you didn't realize, we are not immortal. Neither are the ancient Mesopotamians. They have proved that decisively their mortality. I said that the plant was stolen by a serpent when Gilgamesh took a nap when he fell asleep, which I viewed as the nice reversal from the passage with Noah, where Noah informed him that he couldn't expect to cheat death if he couldn't expect to to conquer sleep. Other versions of Gilgamesh, including the Stephen Mitchell translation, which I touted, praise to the skies, they have this as he took a bath. Gilgamesh emerged from the ocean and took a bath while the serpent snatched it away. I recognize that may be a plausible alternative version, although I prefer the poetic one with the neat reversal, the callback to Noah's original advice. What can I say? I like my epics with a twist of irony. I guess they go down easier that way. Here's a story we didn't quite have time for last time, but it's something I can't get out of my head. 
So it's forming the basis for this special bonus episode. Comes from the 19th century, and it concerns the men who discovered the fragments of the epic narrative. Then they had to translate it. Let's think about this for a minute. What this would have been like. Here's a story. The story of Gilgamesh, the warrior king, was told for literally thousands of years. We know that the oldest version is 4,000 years old. That's the oldest written version. It was told for who knows how many centuries before then. And there's an, an alternative version of it that was told 2,000 years later and written down. It's close enough that we know it's the same story, but it's something that survived independently of the first one. Thousands of years the story was told, and then it was lost. <laughs> People forgot it. Then we, uh, we didn't tell that story anymore. Finally, the scraps of papyrus were rediscovered as part of a treasure trove of ancient Sumerian texts discovered by British archaeologists in the middle of the 19th century. These Victorians out there in the desert doing their digging, finding things, bringing them home. Some may call that theft. That's a topic for another day. So what happened in the meantime? What happened between the original tale told 4,000 years ago? I think you'll know where I'm going with this. The Bible, for one thing, Christianity, among a lot of other developments. That's something we looked at last time. Something that fascinates me is getting something so old, a narrative so old, and we can like a chalkboard being erased. We have a blank slate. All this was new. All of the values, all the morality. What else do we know about the Victorians? How important Christianity was to them? The Old Testament? Very prominent. It was, of course, before Nietzsche declared that God is dead. People believed Discovered them. I'm exaggerating a little bit here because it's setting up the story. So let's get on with that. I imagine this, these people working away to translate these texts. And most of what they're reading would be very boring. Grain inventories, taxes, long lists of things. Hey, grown-ups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the cat in the hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app 
or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Meanwhile, as I imagine, the people are maybe thinking about their religion, thinking about Sunday, thinking about last Sunday, thinking about next Sunday, kind of wondering how their job fits in to their religion, which is so important to them. I'm I'm imagining all of this, but it seems to fit. So imagine what your life is like. Imagine it's routine and dull. You've been translating these things for months, finding nothing, list after list, long list of these supplies, grains, grains paid, debts owed, might have been interesting at first, then it becomes tedious. Finally, it's irritating. What do these pre-Christian morons know? Is that all they did? Drag grain around? Pay it? Owe it? Might make you think about your own life. How boring you are. Your job is tedious. Maybe your name is Smith. How boring is that? Maybe, you think. Maybe it's time to leave this dumb job. Could become a vicar, traveling around the countryside, drinking tea and saving souls, living a little. But no, you're stuck in this room. You keep going. Because maybe, just maybe, one of these old crumbling clay tablets with its triangle shapes, maybe it will give you some new understanding. That's what brought you to this place in the, to this job in the first place. You thought maybe you'd get some window into the human condition, something that would bring you closer to the Lord. Maybe there was something in here, something ancient, something important. Maybe by studying these dusty old heathen texts, maybe you'd help to save souls somehow. Anyway, it's your job. It's what they're paying you to do. And then all of a sudden you run across it. Whoa, this one's not about sheaves of wheat. This one is about a great flood. Hello, Noah. So nice to see you here. And you think, I have just confirmed the Old Testament, the truth of the Old Testament. I have independent corroboration that Noah existed, that the great flood actually happened, that there was a sole survivor that he built an ark. Imagine how excited you'd be. Well, this actually happened. Actually happened to a man named Smith. What did Smith do? The reaction is fantastic. Here's the story as it was recorded later and then retold in the Stephen Mitchell introduction to the text we have. When Smith saw the lines that he believed independently corroborated the story of Noah and the ark, he said, Quote, I am the first man to read that after more than 2,000 years of oblivion. End quote. Setting the tablet on the table, he jumped up and rushed about the room in a great state of excitement, and, to the astonishment of those present, began to undress himself. <laughs> oh, yes. Reminds me of one of my favorite pieces of literature, the great Japanese haiku. Naked on a naked horse in pouring rain. Sometimes when extreme excitement hits, you just got to take your clothes off. 
his colleagues were shocked. But I think Gilgamesh and the author of Gilgamesh would have approved. And so do I. That takes care of episode 1A, The Discovery of Gilgamesh. The response so far has been great. Thank you very much. I think people are eager for this history of literature. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe a failed host and a history of literature that thinks that literature may be dying. Maybe that's just what people want. Reminds me of that Nietzschean feminist musical I once wrote. A Nietzschean feminist musical? Uh, it has bouncy tunes. <laughs> and a doomed host and a dying topic. Come and join us. Join, join us for the struggle. The story of that Nietzschean feminist musical is on jackwilson.com. It's J-A-C-K-E, wilson.com. It's one of the objects. Hey, this new theme song is lighter at least, right? <laughs> this thing bounces a little soars. Going to have the Restless Mind show up soon, as promised. It's about comedy, the first episode. It's very dark. <laughs> of course. Also have an old Jack Wilson show, an encore episode of the Jack Wilson show we'll be putting up soon, right here in this feed. All for one and all for free. Was that, was that the Three Musketeers slogan? One for all and three for a dollar. <laughs> something something like that. Hey, we're centuries away from the Three Musketeers or the Count of Monte Cristo. Might have to flash forward, though. Those are good books. Next time, we'll have the Old Testament. In the meantime, I suggest you subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. And you can like us, you can share us. Helps keep us going. You could leave us a comment at either historyofliterature.com or jackwilson.com. You can email us, of course. That's at uh, jackwilsonauthor at gmail.com. We'll be getting a new email soon, I think. Got to talk to the producers about that as well. The producers are anxious. Let's put it that way. But that's their job. They're bean counters. They look at things like traffic, revenue, Overhead, all the things that the talent doesn't have to worry about until the talent does, <laughs> until the talent gets fired. We'll see how it goes. I'm Jack Wilson. We'll see you next time on the History of Literature. <laughs>